Matthew chapter 20. We'll begin reading in verse 1. <clears throat> For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And he went out about the sixth hour and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came, they were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil? Because I am good. So the last shall be first. And the first last. For many be called. But few chosen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father I thank you. Uh, for your word this morning. and I thank you for the privilege that we have to to labor uh, for you while we're here the privilege that we have even to receive Christ and be saved and bother to share that message and Lord I look to you now this morning and I ask for the filling of your spirit to to preach and teach uh, your word this morning and that which we're looking at here. Please fill my dear wife with your spirit and relaying the message in sign and help those in the nursery, Father, watching the children and fill with thy spirit there. Father, we're blessed to have the word go forth already here in the adult Sunday school hour and the children's Sunday school hour. And how blessed we are to come to this place which you provided for us to gather with this church that you have built, dear God, and to 
have this fellowship together. How blessed we are to have those that are here with us online as well. Most blessed though is the grace that you show to us that we receive from you God as we seek your word. We pray that lost souls hearing your word and hearing the plan of salvation Father would be saved and trust Jesus Christ to be their savior. We pray that believers uh, dear God uh, then being saved would that, that would give their lives to you in faithful service and Father uh, help us just to be careful to thank you and praise you for all the many wonderful things that you have done for us that you are doing now and that you will yet do I help our country through these difficult times and uh, Christians to be the lights that you would call us to be as, as citizens of your kingdom but also as uh, in some sense as citizens here in our country and, uh, Father help us we pray and Lord we ask these things in Jesus name and for his glory Amen Amen you may be seated This parable uh, has multiple applications. Uh, there are some that would apply to Israel. Of course, you read your Bible. Uh, Israel often is referred to as the vineyard, among other things. And, uh, there's an application there. For sake of time, I'm not going to go into that this morning. Uh, I think there's an application to... Uh, to labor as well obviously I think there's an application and it's rather obvious to me of the kind of attitude that God would want his laborers to have <laughs> and the kind of attitude that God would bless uh, and uh, and I think that's the route we're going to go uh, this morning uh, as again there are other messages applications can be drawn uh, from this but uh, title of the message this morning uh, simply uh, disciples for hire or by desire disciples for hire uh, or by desire uh, we've most of us have heard the definition said of a parable that it, it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning there's a heavenly uh, application and parables uh, are limited to what the clear teaching of the word of God. Uh, no one has discovered any revealed truth in parables that is not revealed in the Bible somewhere else outside of parables. Did you get that? Any truth that God is teaching in a parable... He has revealed in the Bible somewhere else without a parable in clear teaching. You can get into a whole lot of false doctrine if you don't follow that. There are some applications that we can make here. And, uh, and we'll look at that, uh, that, that this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I think Jesus shows us and the attitude that will be most rewarding for us as we labor here for him. Uh, Jesus often used stories and illustrations from everyday life uh, to help people learn spiritual truths. Uh, he was uh, a member of the working class. He was a carpenter uh, by trade growing up. He had labored uh, for years it seems he had experienced that life of the working man. He had seen laborers, no doubt, waiting in the marketplace to be hired, just as he shares. No doubt he'd heard many haggling over their prospective wages and labors uh, for the day. 
And he's probably heard some of them complaining at the end of the day when they were brought back at the marketplace or they just didn't get all that they, they deserved for the hard work they did. He'd probably heard that too. And by the way, many had probably heard that, those type of things, which is why he gives this parable for some understanding. Uh, we're looking at it in the idea of laboring for rewards and having a right attitude uh, in, in, in some things. There's an application of who's going to be first into the kingdom as far as salvation goes with the Jews. Will it be, see the Jews thought they were earning their way to heaven. That was the rich young ruler who just came right before this. <laughs> what do I do? Oh, you got it all wrong, Jesus said. You can't come in until you realize there's nothing you can do. So many times the people who, like the Jews, thought they were going to earn the way to heaven, they'll end up being last getting in because it takes them a while to realize as God convicts they don't get in by their works. <laughs> and they won't get in until they realize what? It's a gift. So many of those types are, wind up what? Being last. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to make the application, but there, there's, there, there, there's kind of a Jewish applica application to it. But for us, we can see an attitude that God wants us to have as far as rewards go. Uh, Peter has just heard this conversation that Jesus had with the rich young ruler. He, that's just in the chapter right before. Uh, and it's right immediately following that that Jesus gives this parable. You know, the rich young ruler, you know, uh, had, uh, what do I do? Jesus says, uh, well, if you want to try to do stuff, basically you'll have to keep all the law. <laughs> I've obeyed my father and mother. I've kept, you know, the, the last half of the law, that rich young ruler replied. Jesus says, yeah, but I want you to leave all your stuff and possessions and follow me. He was asking him to obey the first four commandments. Put God first. He wasn't ready to do that. And he went away sorrowful. After hearing that, Peter apparently begins to thinking. Well, we have, have left all and followed you. What are we going to have? And we'd read that uh, in the, at that time is right after hearing that is when he, he comes and, 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 and he asks that. <clears throat> Uh, but Peter when he asks that we need to when Peter says you know we've left all and followed, and followed thee what, what are we going to have uh, you have to understand Peter is speaking literally when he says that you know we uh, have a memory verse uh, 14 uh, Luke 14 33 uh, and uh, just, just, just flew out of my head. What's the first two words? So likewise. so likewise, whosoever he be, that forsaken not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And I'm sure I messed that up. You've got to forsake all that you have. Now, this is, now how many of you here have some stuff? I do. Yeah, we, we all do. Well, you're not disciples. You didn't forsake us. That's not what he's talking about there, is it? You have to be what? Willing to forsake all that you have. But we have to remember in Peter's case and the others, it was a lot more practical to them. They, they did pretty much forsake all that they had to leave and walk with him. So he's speaking literally, Lord, we've forsaken all. He left that business, left his father and, and the hired laborers, uh, the fortunes they had from that, and now they're walking with Jesus and following him. So he's speaking literally. Jesus tells him another place, well, you'll, you, I'll take care of you a hundredfold. You won't regret anything that, you, uh, that I call you to leave for me. But he begins wondering about that. And uh, uh, we need to realize that he, he said, Jesus uh, says in, in, in other passages regarding this, he says, if you leave this stuff, you'll receive it a hundredfold in this life and, 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 and in the world to come, he shall inherit eternal life. 
See, you can't earn eternal life. You have to inherit it. What's an inheritance? It's something that someone leaves for you after they die. They got the inheritance. They did the work. They did the labors. They earned the inheritance. They earned what you're going to inherit. They die, you get the inheritance. Who did that for us? Jesus Christ. He died for us and purchased salvation. He died and rose again. And now those who believe in him by faith become his children, Galatians tells us. And we are in line now being his children for an inheritance. That's not something we earned. That's something he earned for us. And we only get because we're children by faith in Christ Jesus. Now we're in line for the inheritance. That's, that's eternal life. That's the gift part of it. But Christians obviously can labor and serve God. And uh, you can't earn salvation by works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you had to do one good work to enter heaven, it would be possible for you to brag about that work. God has made it not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody will be bragging. Because there are no works, good works, involved in attaining heaven. There's only one thing involved in attaining heaven, and that's faith. And faith in the Bible is not a good work that someone does. Faith is in a category by itself. It is separate from good works. You put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior uh, for forgiveness of your sins. In your heart, you turn from your sins, believing in Jesus Christ, asking Him to forgive you and save you, believing that promise, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Boom, you're a child of God. You're now going to inherit eternal life. Because once you've done that, God, had, Christ has given you what you asked for. The forgiveness of sins. And he, and he gives you the eternal life that he purchased for you. Not something we earn by works. But Peter's wondering what their reward will be. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus is teaching that the disciples, their motives and attitudes are going to play a major part in the rewards they receive from the Lord. We read about rewards in 1 Corinthians 3, among other places. Verse 8, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Believers are going to be rewarded. Every single one. Uh, Bible says, if any man's work which he has built thereupon uh, abide, he says he shall, he shall receive a reward. There'll be the, those who receive rewards for the life that they've lived after they got saved for the glory of Christ. Man, any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. There'll be some believers who, whose works will be burned up. They won't be rewarded for the life they lived because they didn't live a life for Christ. Yet they will be saved. Why? Because they trust Christ as their Savior. They became born again. But they didn't choose to follow Christ as they should have. They may have some rewards. They may see some burn up. But God wants us all to, to live for Him and to glorify His name. But we're going to look at some motives in living for Him. Because that's really what our works are going to come down to. God's going to look first, what? On the inside, isn't he? He's going to look on the inside. So first of all, number one, what can we learn? Beware of making conditions with God. Beware of making conditions with God as a believer. This husbandman, which represents God, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, goes out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard, when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. What's going on with this first group? There's a haggling. Well, come, come work in my vineyard. Um, 
what are you paying? Let's talk about this. See, they're concerned about, about their wage. What are they going to get? Now, the Bible does teach we get, re we get rewards as believers for living for God. But you ever notice we don't get very much detail about those things? <laughs> you know, this crown and that crown and this crown and that crown, that's all we're told. And then, by the way, what do we do with those crowns? <laughs> we cast them at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Because we realize it's Him that did all the work through us. God didn't put a lot of emphasis on those things because I, I don't think He wants our, our mind to be focused on those things so much. <laughs> There are, there are some folks with personalities. As one preacher you confess, he's talking about rewards. He says, he said, uh, I, I don't think about them too much. He says because I'd find myself trying to compare myself with my brethren. How am I doing on the rewards? You know, he said. He says I don't find it. You know, uh, in his personal uh, uh, personality and such. He said, he said I'm, I'm better off just putting that aside, and I, I, I want I want to just serve God because I love Him, and and he, you know He'll do what He will. Uh, but these first group are haggling. What are we going to? What are we going to get paid? They didn't have any labor organizations in those days, or at least like we had. You know, wasn't didn't have the unemployment office. You know, go down there and sign up, and uh, uh, they agree for a penny a day, which was the wage of a rural worker or a soldier, a daily wage, average wage. So they agree for, the, for that early group. By the way, the early group. Probably, you know, the, day, there, the Jewish day began at 6 there. So uh, the third hour would have been 9 o'clock. Uh, uh, and uh, the 6, you know, 6, yeah, 9. And then the next one, every three, every three hours de designation there. But they agree for a penny a day. See, people back then many times lived day by day. I mean, they were working many times for their daily food. What did Jesus Teach us when he prayed, give us this day what? Our daily bread. Most of us here, we have no idea what that is. I mean, we, we've got enough in our freezers, you know, to last the rest of the week, the rest of the month, maybe, you know, maybe longer than that. Most of us don't know what it's like to be working for what we'll eat today. By the way, there are still many people in our world today that do live that way. And we ought to count our blessings, Amen. Uh, the daily labor. Matter of fact, in, uh, back in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses taught it was a sin to hold someone daily wage. You paid him every day. Because many people apparently were living on that, back then on that daily, that, that daily basis. Uh, James 5, 1-4 talks about the rich withholding the wages from the labor that cries out. So even in New Testament, New Testament times, there were those that were crying out for their daily food well the owner of this vineyard he was anxious to get his harvest in so he comes looking for laborers he comes early 6 o'clock or so a little after he comes at 9 back to the marketplace comes at 12 noon comes at 3 p.m. comes again at 5 p.m. and uh for the sake of application, let's put these laborers in two categories. There are those who required a contract. That's the one that came early. The one, oh, that's all the ones that came early. That would have been sometime, uh, sometime before 9 o'clock. Maybe they were even up there at five in, the, you know, 5 in the morning, an hour before the day began. Who knows? They came early. There are those ones they required a contract. All the other laborers did not require a contract. What did the Lord of the what did the what did the householder say? And whatsoever is what? Right, I'll give you. All the other laborers went by faith. <laughs> We're going to trust in your goodness. We're going to trust in your word. We're going. You know, from the ninth hour right up until five o'clock. None of them, uh, we read, required a contract. Whatsoever is right, I'll give you. So we'll look at that in kind of in those, in those, two, in those two categories. 
by paying the last the he, he, the last laborers that came in five o'clock, he called them first. By paying the five o'clock laborers first, the other workers saw how generous this householder was. Those were those who simply labored without a contract. Those who simply trusted him to give whatever was right. Peter's wanting to clarify, maybe, perhaps, trying to bargain with the Lord. What do we get? We've left all for serving you. He's curious. This rich young ruler has kind of spiked this interest in him. In another place, Peter had a little bit more spiritual view, I think. In John 6, 68, Jesus is teaching. They've been following Christ for a while now, Peter and the disciples. And he began teaching some hard things and what many people left him following Jesus. Peter's response and focus then was, you know, Peter, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, will you also go away? You remember, you remember Peter's response? To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Well, Lord, uh, what will you give? What, what do we get for serving you? What are you going to do if you don't? <laughs> you see? Where, where should we? Where are we going to go? We're going to. You got the words of eternal life, heaven, the resurrection from the dead. Where are we going to go? What else could we do? What we do? What do you mean? We also go away. But he's kind of thinking on the reward here for a moment. We need to be careful about trying to make conditions with God as believers. We, we're going to miss out on the blessing if we do that. Well, I used to go to church, but I started to go to church and, and uh, I told my boss I wouldn't work on Sunday. So he fired me. I'm done with that church stuff. I'm not going to church anymore. What do you say? God, I'll serve you and follow you as long as I keep my job. Long as I can, uh, I'll worship on Sunday as long as I don't get fired, God. There's your condition. I was faithful to God and prayed and prayed and prayed and, and then I got sick. I got friends and neighbors that, you know, that, that, they go to different churches and they prayed and they got healed. I think I'll go over to that church. You know, some places teach some kind of false doctrine. What are they saying? God, I'll serve you if you keep me healthy. Conditions. I'll serve you if my wife or husband won't leave me. I'll serve you if. I'll serve you if. Oh, we don't come out and say it. But many times, unfortunately, that, that reservation is in the heart. God, I'll follow you so far. But if this happens, <laughs> I will go away. I will go away. We need to be careful about making contracts, uh, contracts with God. Have that more spiritual focus like Peter later had. To whom shall we go? Uh, since you didn't do this, God, I'm not going to serve you. You didn't bless me. You didn't answer my prayer. We need to trust the Lord to give us what's right. And by the way, let the Lord write the contract and pay the wages. Amen. Some time ago, Brother Norm Stevens was preaching here, and he said, he said, he says, we, we are all for trusting God to give us our needs as long as we can tell him what they are. <laughs> I'm going to trust you for my needs, God. You said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I need. That's trying to make a contract with God, <laughs> I'll continue my faithfulness, God, as you, accordingly as you answer here. Uh, we need to be careful about that. Job didn't have a contract with God regarding obedience, did he? 
Job 121. <coughs> Job speaking. Losing everything. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's pretty good, isn't it? By the way, Satan hadn't yet touched his body yet. But he came to the throne of God begging for that. <laughs> I know I haven't got Job to curse you yet, God, but I tell you what. <laughs> a, man, a man will give up everything for his health. God said, go ahead. Don't take his life. And what happened after that, he was, I had all the book covered with the boils from head to toe. And, uh, uh, and, and struggling that, those great trials. And what did Job eventually say? Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. See, Job didn't have a contract for following God. I know, we know, we know he had some problems that God worked out. And he, and he grew closer to God through that. We know that. But his heart was right. Brother Chris recently taught a lesson in Sunday school uh, through, uh, through Habakkuk. There's another man, what, that learned not to have a contract with God as far as his goodness and blessings. Amen. Uh, in, in Habakkuk 3.16, he sees this great vision of God. His belly trembled. His lips quivered at the voice. And the voice, rottenness entered into his bones. He realized, I'm not worthy of any good thing God would give me. And then Habakkuk continues. He says, uh, he says, I trembled in myself. He says, uh, he says, and then he, he makes this resolution. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. <laughs> See, Habakkuk didn't have some contract with God on his faithfulness. <laughs> God, whatever you do, I'm going to rejoice in you. Whatever you do, I'm going to rejoice in you. <clears throat> Remember Abraham when he was begging for God to be merciful to Sodom and Gomorrah because his nephew Lot lived there? What did Abraham say to God? He says, Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, let me ask you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? <laughs> Let's answer that. Yes, he will. <laughs> That's why those who said, Whatsoever is right, I will give you what? They're on good ground. Amen. <laughs> because that household was going to give them what was right. They trusted in that. And you know what? My God is going to give me what's right. Amen? Mm -hmm. And your God's going to give you what's right. You're, you worship the God of the Bible. <laughs> There's no other God to worship, so you're not really worshiping anything. You may think you are, but if you're not worshiping the God of the Bible, you're, you're talking to a stone. <laughs> uh, beware of making contracts with God in living for Him. Secondly, Beware of making comparisons with others. What did those laborers uh, say there in verse 12? These have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne uh, the burden and the heat of the day. They watched, you know, the five o'clock guys, the, you know, the noon guys, the nine guys, the, uh, all those other guys go before them, and they all got a whole day's wage, a penny. And they get in to compare as, as they're waiting in line. It's going to be good. And they got surprised, didn't they? They were comparing themselves with some others. We born the, you know, the, heat, the, heat, the heat of the day and such. But uh, avoid making comparisons with others. You see, that's kind of what Peter did in his thinking. He contrasted himself with that rich young man. He, that rich young girl had just come. 
Another place we find Peter uh, there asking, what shall we receive? We've left all. There's the rich young ruler, and there's poor old Peter. <laughs> Remember when Peter and John came to the temple? Silver and gold have I none. Maybe he's thinking about that a little bit, just wanted to know some about that. He had been a part of that successful fishes business, left all of that. The disciples at times had been guilty of watching others and making comparisons. Um, at one point, Jesus was, uh, 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 a man was uh, 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 trying to get a devil cast out of his son. And he's uh, telling Jesus about it in Luke 9.39, about his son that's possessed with this devil. And, he's, and uh, the man says this, Lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again, bruising him heartily departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. You know what Jesus' response was to that? O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how, how, long, you know, how long shall I be with you? How, long, how often shall I suffer? How long shall I be with you? Oh, where's your faith? Was Jesus' response in, in that situation. Right after that, there arose a reasoning among them who should be the greatest, the disciples. Jesus takes a child and teaches them that the one who's humble will be great, the one who serves others. Right after that, John says this, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him because he followeth not with us. Now, what had just happened? A man had come to them to cast the demon out of his son. They couldn't. Jesus' response to them was, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Apparently not too uh, far away from that event. They see someone else doing what? Something they couldn't do. <laughs> Casting out demons. So we forbade him because he doesn't follow with us. Wait a minute. This guy... What's he doing? You know, they're just fresh off that failure. <laughs> what, what, look at that. He's casting the demons out. But he's not following us. You need to stop that. What were they doing? They were comparing themselves, weren't they? Weren't they? Uh, we need to be careful about, the, about that comparison game. You know, most churches are in, in, in the United States are, are really... Uh, not the mega churches. They're not the, they're not the bulk of them. You know, most churches are probably, you know, I don't know, 30, maybe to 30 to 40 uh, of all the churches, you know. But a lot of times, you know, uh, if we're not careful, especially little churches can do that. You know, we, we're an independent, fundamental uh, Baptist church, and, and we use the King James Bible. And we look around, and there's some others like us. And they got a big church. And you know what some would say? Well, they must have that worldly music slipped in there. Well, they must be uh, slipping on the doctrine. Drawing the crowd. That's why they're full. You know, the world wants all that stuff. And what can we begin doing if we're not careful? Criticizing. We don't know those things, perhaps for sure, that we just said. They're not wrong with God just because they have more than we do. Amen. There's some big churches. I believe that are preaching the truth. And they got a lot of people. Doesn't mean they're doing something wrong. What determines that? What they're preaching out of this book. Amen. We need to be careful about that. 
to be careful about that. The disciples had been guilty of that. We get our eyes off the Lord, we start watching, comparing uh, uh, ourselves with others. We begin to envy what they have. Look what Jesus says here in verse 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? I gave that guy that came in at 5 o'clock, all that group that came in at 5 o'clock, I gave him a whole day's wage. I didn't give them that because they're better than you. I gave them that just because I wanted to be nice. I wanted to show them love. I never said they worked harder than you. I just wanted to be good. See? We have to let God be God, amen? He's sovereign. <laughs> what did John Baptist say? He must increase, I must decrease. All the crowds are coming to Jesus. That's okay. <laughs> he must, he must increase. A man can receive nothing except to be given him from above. That, by the way, that was in relation to where the crowds were going when John said that. <laughs> I don't know how many, Jesus, how many God will have for our church. I never have. And by the way, neither do you. <laughs> All we need to know is what? Preach the word. Amen. <laughs> Be true to the word. Let God work those things out. We want to reach as many as we can. We'll keep reaching out. I'd like to see another person saved here in Corvallis. And another after that. Another after that. If they keep coming, I'd love to see that. But we'll trust God for that, amen. And we'll do what we can do. <clears throat> we need to be careful about, uh, about that comparison game. <clears throat> Because we get looking at others, comparing ourselves with others, you get that uh, that envious spirit, comparing, coveting, jealousy, complaining. Look at verse eleven. Those early guys received their wage. Verse eleven. When they had received it, what's it say? They murmured against the good man of the house. That's what we do when we begin comparing ourselves. To others, we begin murmuring against, you know, we begin, become, become judgmental. That person ought to be judged, you know, God ought to chasten them for that. They shouldn't have been blessed for that. Look, look, what, they, look what they did. Where did they receive that blessing from God? We're not a judge. We are not those that are dispensing the rewards and chastisements for, for following God, are we? <laughs> We're lifting ourselves up as a judge of the law, not a doer of the law. The Bible talks about that. That's not our place. Our place is to do right and to love. And what? Let God be sovereign. Let him do. Let him do what he will do. Uh, beware of making comparisons uh, with others. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, what? Are not wise. Not wise. Not wise. <clears throat> the Christian who is always comparing himself with others will never be satisfied, but always wants what someone else has. We become judges of others. We want to evaluate their work and assign their wages and that's not our place <laughs> I, I'm glad I don't have to worry about that I don't know about you you, you think about it you know, we, we don't have to, to be the judge of other people's works thank God I mean I'm worried enough about my own the things, things that I do and my own motives and those things that, that keeps me busy in my meditations and thoughts Who art thou that judges another man's servant? Romans 14, 4. Uh, we're to be looking unto Jesus. And then thirdly and finally, <clears throat> beware beware of missing conceit in yourself. Beware of missing conceit in yourself. Look at verse 10 here in Matthew 20. When the first came, what? 
they supposed they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. See, as the line went down and the wages were being passed out, they became more and more proud of that work. This is going to be good. That guy was only here an hour. The guys that were only here an hour, they just got a whole day's work. This is going to be good. Because look how hard we worked. We worked a long, a long time with that hot sun. We planted a lot more seed than they did and pulled a lot more weeds than they did. You see, they were beginning to think they were something and they deserved something. Guess who wound up disappointed? It was that first group. It was that first group. <clears throat> they... Remember, they murmured against the good man of the house. They wound up disappointed. Jesus cautions against an attitude of self-importance. He speaks of the first being last, the last being first. Many who are first in their own eyes will be last. Many who are last in their own eyes will be first. Whenever we're tempted to boast about our work or belittle another, another's work, Remember this in 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light, here it is, the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the what? Counsels of the hearts. That's the hidden things of darkness. You can't, you can't see the counsels of my heart and I can't see the counsels of your heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Guess what God's going to judge us by? The things that you and I can't say about one another. <laughs> He's going to judge me about the things that only I can see in my heart. And by the way, even I can't see the things in my own heart as good as God can see them. <laughs> That's why Paul said, I, let, I, I asked the Lord to judge me. God, show me my sins I have a hard time with my own heart much less trying to trying to uh, discern or, or think that I would know something about somebody else's heart and that's what's going to count at judgment at the judgment what motives what drove you to do that were you a disciple for hire or were we disciples for desire where we like Peter later would say, where are we going to go? Everything's in following you. Life's all about you. And are we serving him be, uh, motivated by love? Uh, our judgments could be faulty. We only see external actions, not inward motives. Uh, we don't know what opportunities people have. We don't know what gifts people are given. All these things determine the route that the ministry goes and what God does through people we don't know those God does and he judges those that those are the things that he will bring to light uh, light in judgment remember when Jesus was watching them put money in the in, in, in the treasury and uh, many rich cast in uh, uh, of their abundance in Luke 21 uh, and Jesus says he saw a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites he said of a truth I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in their offerings of God, but she of her penury or poverty hath cast in all the living that she had. What did Jesus announce there? Something only he could see. And the judgment he made on what she gave was based upon something only he could see. She just gave her last might. Among those two that she gave, one of them was her last one. Nobody else in the temple knew that. <laughs> or could, unless she told them. But Jesus was making the judgment call on what, what he could see and what we couldn't. And he says, based on that, this woman has what? Given more than they all. He's the one who decides what our, what our, reward, what our works are worth. Amen. 
And, he, and what? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes, he will. He'll reward that. He knew how much money those rich people had left over. You know, uh, someone said, you know, to the, the, the $20 bill, and the dollar bill each died and went to heaven. And the $20, they were talking about their life on earth. And the dollar bill, the, 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 uh, the $20 bill was talking to the dollar bill. And the $20 bill said, boy, I had, I had such a good time, uh, time, uh, time on earth. I mean, I went to the finest places to eat. I, you know, I went out to the finest golf courses and, and uh, you know, went, uh, you know, went boating and, uh, and fishing and, and, uh, and all, the, uh, all the, you know, the, the big uh, gatherings and such. I went so many places. It said, where said to the dollar bill where'd you go he said all he ever did was go to church go to church go to church go to church <laughs> but you know a dollar's a lot if it's your last dollar isn't it that's what Jesus said that's why you see somebody put a dollar on the offering plate what who's the judge of how much that is <laughs> God is. God is. That might have been that widow's last night. And I know we don't, you know, we're, 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 we're good mannered here. We don't, we don't stare and see what everybody else is putting in the offering plate. And that's good. We don't even pass one now. We got sit, 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 sitting back there. But God will be the judge of, uh, 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 of, of all of those things. <clears throat> the 11th hour worker. He was the happiest. They that came in about the eleventh hour found others uh, standing. He said, "Why stand you all the day idle? Because no man hath hired us." Think about this eleventh hour worker, and I'm done. And I think that exemplifies the attitude we need to have as servants. That eleventh hour worker, we see a purity in this situation. They were in the right place. Where's that laborer going to go to find work? In that culture, to the marketplace, apparently. <laughs> they put themselves in the right place. We see a purity there, doing the right thing. I'm going to go look for work. I need some food today. I'm going to the marketplace. It's too bad that our government feeds people that won't leave their house and try to find work those who are able to do that that's part of the reason why we're suffering uh, why we have economic sufferings especially we're going against the word of God in that when we do that as a government I see purity in this man he went to the marketplace or this group I see perseverance can you imagine the group there all the people are around and the early ones are taken the 9 o'clock ones are taken. The 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock ones are taken. And now the owner comes back at 5, comes back an hour early on this, earlier on this, this, this round. And here's this guy. Maybe, he, maybe something happened at home. He couldn't get out till that hour. Maybe he was standing there all day and just didn't get picked. There's only an hour left. Why bother even going to the marketplace or hanging around if you've been there? That would have been an easy, easy attitude to adopt, huh? But guess what? Those 11th hour laborers were still waiting. And they're probably thinking, there's only, what good is it? There's only an hour left. We didn't get hired early. We're not going to make much. We might as well give up. They didn't. They stayed there. They stayed there. So, purity, perseverance. By the way, what did Jesus say? Or what did, what did the, 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 the householder say? Whatsoever is right, I'll give you. What's that? Faith. Here they go. Just an hour of the day left. I'll do you right. Okay. And they're willing to labor. They're willing to labor. Humility. Uh, not going to get much maybe I'll be able to put a little bit of that money toward the food I'll, I'll buy tomorrow I've only got an hour left I can imagine when that householder called those workers 
says, I've been having, I've had work, I've been calling workers here all day. We're going to start with the ones that we got hired at five o'clock. We're closing down six now. You've been here. We're going. Can you imagine what they were thinking when they came up to get their pay? This isn't going to be much. But what happens? That householder gives them what? A full day's wage. What do you think their attitude was? Man, what a worker am I! No. It was, man, what a householder are you? <laughs> You're a wonderful boss. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for your generosity. They were amazed when they received a day's wage. Why? Because they didn't make any contracts with God. They trusted they worked with a humble spirit and they trusted in the goodness of the householder. Let me tell you something. That's what will bring you and I joy, living for the Lord. When we realize, but by the way, he's already done. If he never did another thing for us, Romans 12, 1 and 2, he's worthy of our all. Amen. Amen. It's just now a reasonable service to present our bodies a living sacrifice if he never did give us another blessing besides salvation. You now have the most joy if we'll be focused on that as we serve God. I'll make a confession. Uh, sometimes when I get a uh, you know, little bit down, you know, I get my eyes off my blessings. Uh, we get our eyes off our blessings you know, we can count them like the song says, but many times we begin to realize there's a whole lot of people that aren't blessed like we are. As I mentioned, there's people today that are working for the food they'll eat today. And I like, and, I, and I'll remember that. I'll try to remember those things. And that, that, that helps. But you know what would help us more? If we would go right back to the beginning and remember the one what, who died for us. Because nobody knew poverty like he did. You see, I, I, I don't need to look, really to look to other people that are suffering more than I to help me get my spirit straight. And that does at times, I'll tell you that. I'll just confess that. But I don't need to do that because I can look at what? At the suffering of my Savior. Amen. And that ought to straighten me out without looking at other people. Amen. Because nobody lost, gave up more than he did. Nobody suffered more than he did for me. And that, that will help me have this attitude of humility, of, 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 of thankfulness, and of amazement at him. That's why we are to live our lives, what? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That, these attitudes of these who, who trusted the, the householder to give. Uh, and, and to do uh, what was right and it led them to to be the most joyous ones in the end and that's what we'll experience as well uh, if we'll serve him with, with that kind of a spirit let's pray <clears throat> Lord Jesus I thank you for this church and for these people and, and Father I thank you for your son who died for us and rose again. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the many miles you walked upon this earth, the weariness that your bones and body felt, uh, all the rejection that you took. Uh, dear Lord, the sins and iniquities of this world that you had to suffer and bear and put up with being in, in the midst of it while you were here and yet all for the love of us all that we might be delivered from the evil of this world and have a hope of being with you in an absolutely pure heavenly holy 
joyous eternity. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray that you would give us the strength and grace to live for you and glorify your name. It may bring trials in our lives. For many in our, in our world today, it brings even uh, martyrdom. Dear God, it may bring that for some who would be faithful. But Lord, our death is just our first breath with you when we're saved. It's the beginning of a, of, of a relationship with you that we know is yet coming in that way. And uh, as Paul said, for me to die is gain. And God, we won't know the full meaning of that until we've breathed our last breath. Then we'll realize what that gain really meant. Now we look, f- it'll, be, it'll be sight then. Now we look for it by faith. And I pray it help us in that. Father, as we've been clear in, in today, and I'm, I'm sure in the, in the messages and, and, and lessons preceding today and before, salvation's a gift. Anyone who would want to be saved can simply trust your Son as Savior and be born again. And then may they also be encouraged to live life for you, for your glory with these kind of attitudes. Lord, I thank you. I praise you, and I pray you'd uh, be pleased with the remainder of our services and that you've been pleased with our worship uh, to you today, that as you have looked in our hearts, that you have found it, I pray, to be in spirit and in truth. And Lord, uh, if so, then we know that you're glorified. And Father, uh, help us uh, today to look for your coming. Should you tarry, bring us back together tonight. Uh, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>